Do not be scared of these subliminal injections, for they carry a message not of fear or manipulation, but one of true, essential beauty that we should all revere and cherish. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, and, well, etc. And welcome to another wonderful episode of Square Waves FM, I believe. This is episode number number 54. Wonderful. Once again, as always, I'm your host, Bianca, and with me is my loyal minion and co-host, Brian. Hi. Am I allowed to say hi? Yes, you're allowed to say Mighty hi. Mighty and powerful host. Yes, you are co-host. <laughs> Hi, I'm a co-host. <laughs> yeah, you were. Hey, you were co-host when it was Chris's show. Hey, <laughs> we were both co-hosts. We didn't have this little power struggle like I have with you. What power struggle? Yeah, I'm right. What down the... and you and you suck it up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There is no struggle, is there? Nope. Hi guys. Flex, flex. Oh, no flexing. Hi guys. How are you doing this week? Why am I asking? It's not like you're going to reply. Wherever you are. <laughs> Let me know how you're doing. Just like say it out into the air. How yeah. are you? Mm, 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 mm. Okay, good. Oh, really? That sucks. <laughs> yeah, it sucks to be you. So how about ne next time you actually give us something in response? Like, how about you send us voicemails so we can play them and pretend that you responded? Yeah. Because <laughs> we're so good at uh, soliciting feedback that way, aren't <laughs> we, with our contests and stuff. Actually, we have... We have feedback galore this week. Wow, what happened? Someone, they got off their butts and figured out how to use a recorder like Audacity? Yeah. Hang on a sec. I think I forgot to download one of our feedbacks. We have, like, voicemails coming up the wazoo. That's fantastic. What do I feel like I'm missing one? Uh, talk, woman, while I figure this out. <laughs> well, I talk, except I think you're missing your ass. You ass this wonder. I mean, uh, you at least have one ass. But, you, you know, once people have two asses, some people have, and then there's, you know, the inevitable one ass, and then you're the assless wonder. You're that guy who who has a disease where you have no butt. <laughs> I'm sorry, was there any information in those words you were just spouting? I don't know, but you are an assless wonder. Yeah. You're my assless wonder. So now we've got some, uh, <laughs> I am so sorry. What did I just do? You downloaded something you already had downloaded. Uh-huh. So we have... We have of, so many voicemails. This is great. Yeah, we have four voicemails And how voicemails many of them involve today. ditches? <laughs> I don't know, but I'll tell you how many tweets that we received involving ditches. And... All of them. And hashtag not a ditch. Uh, whatever. I'm all tired of ditch talk. Yep. And oh. I was going to uh, let it drop, but... Someone else wouldn't. I know. Well, well, maybe next week our topic will be ditches and ditch accessories, <laughs> like shovels. Oh, yeah. And because I'm a good sport before we get into the topic, I mentioned <laughs> in 140 characters uh, this week that I, too, have had my own experiences with uh, doing face plants, except mine's not into a ground, mine's into a wall. Yeah, I can think of two instances <laughs> of this behavior, but why don't you just say, <laughs> why don't you familiarize your, uh, us with uh, one of those at least? Um, so we have this activity in, in uh, 
our area called Laser Quest. It's basically you play in a dark maze with uh, laser guns and you shoot other people with it. Laser tag. Laser tag, yeah. And everyone has a uh, little has big heavy chunky vest they wear with uh, targets on them that you can hit for points. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we're playing this game in the dark with a bunch of other kids with a bunch of kids. Yeah, we were like what fifteen years older than the next oldest person <laughs> at this thing. This is what we did while we were dating. What dorks we were! I know this was our first year of dating. That was fun though. Yep. So, and it was a Halloween event. We thought, hey, why don't we go do something? This is back when we had a life. Um, so we're on like round number, I think this was like the third round because it was an all night thing. You pay your flat fee to get in. So we went in third round. I'm uh, coming down a ramp at the end of the third round. Unfortunately, I can't see how steep the incline is. And this is one of those things where they tell you, where they give you a whole bunch of rules in advance and, you know, tell you how to, you know, be careful. Well, I'm like, I threw those rules out the window when I uh, was starting, and I kind of wish I had, uh, in retrospect, listened to those rules because I kind of had a bit of a jog going down this little incline, and needless to say, I realized one second too late that there was a wall in front of me. I ran face first into this wall, and then on my ass, and my glasses fell off and broke. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go over on the floor to find my half-broken glasses and uh, play the rest of the uh, games with no glasses on. No. The other one I remember was when we were mini-golfing. It was another one of those dark, <laughs> glow-in-the-dark dealies. And mm-hmm. I think you misstepped uh, on a, a steep incline as well, and you banged your head, and you had a little goose egg on your forehead, you poor thing. No wonder you didn't permanently scramble your eggs after all these uh, social activities. So we learned our <laughs> lesson, and we were... Never sociable again. Mm-hmm. I think that might make, that might account for why I married you. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's all part of it's all part of my brainwashing scheme. <laughs> yeah. So what else have we got in pre-show? Ah, why, don't we... why don't we talk about the f- top thing on the list? Oh, you're gonna slide into that? Oh, you're terrible. <laughs> all right, it's Bianca and I. It was it was it, it it was. It's about to be Bianca's birthday in a week or so, or so. Yeah, in a week, a week less than a week. Yep. Anyway, uh, we went out for dinner with uh, my family. With Ugh, our family. exhausting. Yeah, it's oh. exhausting. We love them like crazy. It is just exhausting between conversations and complaints and young children. It is an exhausting What conversation? Ordeal. Yeah, I know. Conversation about what the kids just threw on the floor. Anyway, mm-hmm. we uh, one of the presents that Bianca got was a gift card for a, a bunch of restaurants. So we picked the most expensive restaurant on there. And uh, because the other ones were unpalatable, yeah, that's right. The other ones were just kind of chain restaurant crapola. But this one place called Beer Market is pretty good, mm-hmm. although super overpriced. But that's okay because when you're armed with a gift card, that's what you do, exactly. So we burned through the gift the, the gift card and then some. <laughs> but uh, uh, aside from our expensive entrees and everything else, they had a daily special sliders, little hamburgers, for $2.50. And so I wanted to have one for an appetizer. But when I ordered my dinner, I forgot to order it. And so I figured, okay, what the hell? This is a free country. I'm going to order an, a, a slider for dessert. I've never had a, a cheeseburger as a dessert before. And why the hell not? This is, yeah, why not? This is Canada, the land of opportunity. I thought oh. America was the land of opportunity. Oh. This is the land of Eskimos. Whatever. We're the land of the free and the home of the brave then. <laughs> Something like that. Whoever has hamburgers for dessert envies no one, I say. And I didn't. Although someone envied me because <laughs> I asked Bianca, do, do you, you had your eye on these sliders before. Are you going to order one? No. 
Are you sure? No. Look at this. They have yummy pickles on them and stuff. No. <laughs> so it, takes, it took them quite some time. It was like 10 minutes or something. They brought me my slider for dessert. And uh, they put it in front of me. And uh, Bianca's eyes are like saucers. <laughs> She's like, oh, look at this thing. I'm and, not sure. It was more like, oh, it doesn't look as bad as I thought it was going to be. Now I kind of want one. Sure, kind of want one. Because our, our uh, waitress who put it down in front of me. Uh, had her back turned to us while she was attending to another table all of a sudden. And uh, Bianca interjects and interrupts the other table next to us ordering to say, I want a slider too. I said, excuse me, can I have a slider? <laughs> yeah. Excuse I me. I excuse myself. Excuse me, my same hamburger. <laughs> Good to say. <laughs> so it was the first time in my life I've ever seen someone order while the waitress was taking another table's order. That was quite something. Needless to say, they brought her a slider as well. In a kindly manner and with grass on the side. Yeah, that's right. Grass <laughs> with like, what are those bitter greens called? Arugula or Arugula. if you're in Europe, rockets. Rockets. <laughs> you crazy Europeans, you. Mm-hmm. That's oh, right. They're also the ones who have the waffle snacks, which are amazing. Oh, yeah. What are those? I don't know. Some sort of crunchy, twisty things. I mean, they're not exactly twistos, which make you angry. We've, but... <laughs> we've had waffles. I can't remember what that is now, though. I don't know, but that was awesome. Waffles. Yep. I believe there are walkers that chip. Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Are they walkers? They're, walkers? They're smiths. Oh. Are they Dutch? Yeah. Walkers. Paprika. Of course it's paprika. What the hell? You people have paprika over there, but you can't find ketchup flavor. Walkers. weirdos. What the fuck? I mean, you can, you can find all these other flavors and paprika chips, and you got paprika chips as far as the fucking eye can see, but you don't have ketchup chips. You people are messed up. Yeah, but we don't have paprika chips in North America. And when we tried them in Amsterdam, they were really good. It's like a natural flavor. But yes, we in Canada have ketchup chips. They call them ketchup chips. They don't really taste like ketchup, but they're my favorite kind. I love ketchup chips. I know. They're so good. Not that I can eat them anymore. Not that I do eat them anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Yep. Uh, oh, before we get too far in, I want to give a very hearty congratulations to Mr. Trolls. Hello, Trolls, for publishing the talkie version of... What's in the safe, which was, I don't remember which game jam it was, Adventure Game Jam or something. He wrote this game for a game jam, and it's really good. It's a first-person adventure game. Interesting. It is interesting. It's not the first first-person adventure game I've played. I guess the interface and all sort of reminds me of Return to Zork, you might say. Um, the locations are all photographed, so he like goes to his office and he goes to a construction site, and I won't give away too much of it, a park and stuff, but... Uh, it's a park. Yeah, but I mean, you click you click in a direction. <laughs> oh, there might be a ditch. <laughs> That'll be in the sequel anyway. Yeah, I guess I, I seem to remember you like put the the you have you have to whatever. <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to spoil it, but perhaps there is a ditch like hole in the ground that you must interact with at key moments. Anyway, <laughs> it's a it's a really good game. I enjoyed it a lot. I love the writing, especially. Uh, it's a little verbose, but I didn't mind because I enjoyed the writing so much. I played it all the way through. Um, so the talkie version is uh, starring our uh, our uh, many time guest and very good friend Amirat Akago. I haven't uh, I have it on my desktop. I've been meaning to load it up, but I haven't yet. But uh, congrats to both of those guys on the launch of this game. It was a long time coming. <laughs> we can talk about this. Uh, we can about- after we talk about how you just how you abandoned ship on Firefox and went to Chrome. Oh yeah. Okay. Let's do that. Let's do that. 
So as I've mentioned on the podcast before, I love the Firefox browser. I've been using it for the something Firefox like browser. You're starting to sound oh the internet. No, 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 no. <laughs> See, you can call it Firefox. You can call it the Firefox browser, but you can't call it the Firefox. That's what makes you sound old. <laughs> so it is a browser, and the browser I'm talking about is the Firefox browser, and how I'm fed up with it because I love it, but. The only flaw that Firefox really has is that it's had this memory leak issue for I don't know how long now, at least a year or so, and it's gotten worse over the years. Either it's gotten worse or websites are more memory intensive or they keep more memory resident scripts running and I keep my tabs open for a long time and so they just consume more and more and more memory until it slows way the hell down and I have to restart it. So it's gotten so that I had to restart it about twice a day, sometimes more. It's really irritating, and I just couldn't take it anymore. So I switched over to Chrome, which I've done a few times now, but I always went back to Firefox. But I think I might be on Chrome to stay now. Um, I, I tried Chrome, but for some reason, it always has multiple instances of it running in my task. Oh, it has so many instances. I'll take a look now. Google Chrome. Oh, it's actually kind of kind of. Oh, my gosh. Never mind. How many instances do we have here? Let's just sort it by name. So one under apps and in background processes, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 14. So it has 14 instances in memory. And that includes the other Google-related stuff. I have four tabs open, and it has 14 instances in memory, plus two Google Crash Handler instances. And to Google Drive. Oh, well, Google Drive is a separate application. True, but you still have two of those. I mean, why do you need to? Why does it even need two of those? Yeah, that's a good question. So it's all over the place. I don't know what's up with that. So that's an annoyance, but it's not terrible. One thing I learned about Google Chrome is that you can press Shift Escape and you see like a web browser task manager, which tells you how many tabs are being used by, or sorry, how much memory is being used by each tab. Why is, why is my Gmail tab taking up 320 megs of RAM? It's a serious RAM hog, but it doesn't slow down. At least, like, it uses a lot of RAM, but at least it seems to have some garbage collection, which keeps it from leaking and getting increasingly large and then becoming less responsive. So that's cool. That's what I really wanted. Because Firefox has better add-ons, extensions. It has a much more attractive user interface. It has more keyboard shortcuts. It's... Uh, it has like more UI elements that and like interactive uh, means of interaction that you can do with the UI. It is a better browser in just about every single way. Chrome really only has two advantages for me. One of them is the memory collection, and one of them is the fact that stupid Google has it, it's been making a lot of its services with like proprietary web technology so that they only work on Chrome which is kind of sleazy and super annoying. Yeah, it's like they're competing for Microsoft for a title of biggest evil corporation in the universe. Oh, yeah. Well, Google's not... That's kind of evil because there's nothing more open than the web. And to have it yeah. only work on their browser, even if it's free, even if it's open source, I it's know. not standards compliant. It's not right. And I mean, they call a bunch of their stuff open. It's like... But now it's just like capital open. It doesn't even mean it's open. It's just, it's, uh. Yeah, it's frustrating. So anyway, it's working well enough, and I'll probably just stick with it, even though I do vastly prefer Firefox. I miss Firefox. There's things that just Chrome just does not do that Firefox does. But until Firefox fixes their shit, then I just can't I can't take it anymore. It's getting worse. What a shame. 
I love Firefox. Well, it could also be that you tend to I that that you tend to leave a music player running, which might contribute to your. Uh, I don't really anymore because a couple of episodes or so I mentioned the open source Google Music Player, mm-hmm. which is a standalone application. I think it just spawns like a WebKit session or whatever. It spawns like an integrated embedded. Chrome browser or something, but it's like a self-contained thing. It's not reliant upon the other web browser that you have open. True, but so I only open it when I play music. It's that was one of my problems. That's that's the reason why I looked for it in the first place. Because in Firefox, if you leave Google Music open, there's a big memory leak, and then the music starts to skip, and the rest of your tabs get so slow that you can't even close Firefox. And isn't there also? And doesn't Last.fm also contribute to the? uh Oh, yeah, it did. I, I, uh, I used to keep last.fm open in a tab because it serves as my uh, music playing history so I can remember what I listen to and what I've been listening to most. But that had a mem- that caused a memory leak in Firefox, so I turned it into a bookmark instead of a, an open tab. I made a lot of sacrifices to keep Firefox usable. What a shame. I've even tried using it with no – I haven't tried it with no add-ons, but I decreased the number of add-ons I relied on. So I really can't say fairly whether it's Firefox with the memory leak or maybe it's a – well, I tried different ad blockers and stuff. I mean, maybe it's an ad blocker. I just yeah. don't know. I don't seem to get the same uh, problems as you do. I I occasionally hit my Just checking to see my your memory limit, consumption. But yeah, that's not much. Mm-hmm. And I we, we got this add-on. I forget what it's called now. But the whole purpose of it is it, like, puts a green circle on your – uh, on your test bar or whatever, your yeah. address bar? It is memory restart. Memory restart. That The name of that says it all, right? Because mm-hmm. if the green circle, you could, when you hover the mouse over the green circle, it tells you how much RAM Firefox is consuming overall. And you can set your own threshold. And if, I mean, when the memory consumed exceeds the threshold, then the green circle turns red. And you can click the circle and it'll restart Firefox. Mm-hmm. So, like, fuck that. I don't want to have a an add-on dedicated to to resetting some broken shit. What a shame. I do miss Firefox. So I'm using Chrome on my browser, and I switched to Chrome on my smartphone. I was using Firefox on the smartphone. Because they both have a, a cloud synchronization thing where you can synchronize your history and your saved passwords and your uh, all of that kind of stuff uh, between multiple browsers and between multiple uh, devices. So I like that too. But Chrome, Chrome has a good import tool that you can import your history from Firefox. For some reason, Firefox doesn't have a good tool that can import your history from Chrome. So Mm, That's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. So whatever. I'll I'll stick with Chrome for now. That's a real shame. Oh, well. That's that's enough about that, I guess. Yep. So let's see. Oh, yeah. For some reason, we had to put this in the show notes. Well, Brian had to. Yeah, I don't know why this came to mind. We're going to tell you the story of one ass. (laughs) One ass. One ass. Okay, I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with the game Age Conan. Yeah, massively multiplayer RPG. It is a very good one, or at least it was. Maybe it's a little old-fashioned now, but mm-hmm. it's an awesome game by it Funcom. It was gorgeous. Loved it. Mm-hmm. It, was the, it was the first MMO I cared about enough to max out a character, to get a character to the maximum level. Even World of Warcraft didn't interest me enough until I had already done it on Age of Conan. Wow. So That's right. You too, I think. I had my necromancer guy with the pet, the the pets. Uh, are you sure? Because I mean, we had our level eighties in wrath. Nope. This came first. Hmm. This came first. 
Okay. And you had your archer. I don't know if it was your first. You might have maxed out a character on World of Warcraft before I did, but yeah, I remember this clearly, with the exception of Guild Wars, where you get to maximum level pretty early. Yeah, in the first three hours or something. Yeah, it's an interesting model where you're always playing at maximum level. It's awesome. Yeah, the new Guild Wars, well, Guild Wars 2, I guess the expansion is like that, where all the content is maximum level. But in Guild Wars 1, it was like the first third of the game was getting you to maximum level, and the rest just gets harder and harder, but your level never increases, so you have to get better and better. That was a very cool aspect Yeah, of and Guild then Wars. you had to buy your skills as you went along. That's right, and you have to, you have to determine the best skills for the best scenario, because you could only take eight at a time with you. Yep, and then you just got better gear, and then you learned uh, what uh, what worked in what situation, which was kind of nice. It was an interesting challenge. It was fantastic. But you know what Guild Wars didn't have? What? One ass. And it didn't have a jump button. But yeah, it didn't have one ass. <laughs> so, you want to tell the story of one ass? One ass. So in Age of Conan, there was only, it was just a base game for the longest time. And then they introduced... An expansion to it, which had like an Asian theme to it. Yeah, I don't so they did what it was the called. Asian theme before WoW did with uh, Pandaria. I guess every MMO is destined to have an Asian themed area. I suppose I bet EverQuest did it mm-hmm. with its twenty, literally twenty something expansions. Anyway, one ass. It was actually an, was not the proper name of this <laughs> enemy. I think it was like one something. It was one horn. It was this gigantic rhinoceros. It was like the size of a house. It was called One Horn, and you have a quest to kill One Horn, but for some reason, perhaps uh, influenced by uh, some kind of psychotropic plant, <laughs> we called it One Ass. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just the most memorable thing that we never forgot about. That yeah. must have been like eight years ago or something now. Yeah, four, eight years ago. Anyways, <laughs> I don't know how it came up in conversation, but we started talking about redundancy and why, you only, and why this thing only had one ass. I'm like, well... <laughs> And maybe you had two asses, and now, you know, it's down to one ass. <laughs> That's you know, right. Kind of like a Klingon has all these uh, redundant systems. Yeah, they have these redundant yeah, organs yeah, so that the they can survive being Klingon stabbed. Asses, and in case you uh, lose one ass in, in, ba- in the battle. <laughs> did, our, did our story have any point, or is that all we wanted to bring up was one ass and Klingons? I think that was it. You're the one who's like, okay, let's put this in the show notes. I was like that, wasn't I? Yep. Um, okay. Uh, uh, you brought it. Did you bring up your mixtapes? No, I didn't. Oh boy, mixtapes. I just feel unfulfilled by the end of the story of One Ass, but I guess. Well, we did kill One Ass. Oh, yeah, we did. <laughs> you and your uh, necromancer, or whatever. No, I killed One Ass on a new character uh, that was like a fire mage. Oh, yeah. Or something. Anyway, um, sure. Let's talk about my mixtape website. So I, I have this in the show notes. We'll mix them up. Yeah. Here's a big bin for rummaging in because we have the natural urge to forage. <laughs> that was last week. Sorry. Maybe two weeks ago. Two weeks. Okay. So, um, I, for a long time now, it must have been seven or eight years ago or so now, I started a, a blog, um, mixtapes.demodulated.com, where I... My intention was to rip all of my 100 or so uh, Toronto rave scene techno mixtapes and uh, stick them online. But it was a lot of bother, and I never really did find a proper tool to um, reliably rip my audio cassettes to uh, MP3. I tried it on my old stereo, which worked okay, I guess, but uh, it was a lot of work, and you ha- I had to dedicate my computer to the task because I was—it was just like a regular. Uh, 
It's just a regular stereo, like a portable. No, yeah, no, it wasn't a portable stereo. Whatever, it's just a regular stereo, and I used the uh, eighth-inch mini jack out with a male-to-male cable into the line-in jack of my computer, and I would press play. And I would wait for 45 minutes and make sure my computer didn't make any other sounds while I recorded with Audacity. And then I would have to flip over the tape and uh, record the other 45 minutes and hope that nothing interrupted it. It was an ordeal, and I couldn't use my computer for 90 minutes at a time, which uh, times 100. Well, I'm not going to do the math, but that's a lot of minutes. So I bought a uh, USB-powered Walkman kind of a thing a little like portable cassette player sized thing from Amazon for 20 bucks. Uh, and it had an onboard sound card embedded on it. So all you have to do is press play on your thing on your, on, on the player itself and uh, connect it via USB and record it via audacity. And it was its own isolated sound device, which did a good job of me not having to dedicate my computer to recording, but it still took 30 or 45 minutes per side. And that player really sucked. It would have been fine for uh, speech, but for music it was no good because it cut all the bass off. And for rave music, that's just not going to work. So I did a few tapes and I tried compensating by boosting the bass and stuff, but it kind of sounded a little bit shitty. So I, I, in the end, I only ripped, I don't know, 10 or 15 tapes or so and put them on my website. What a shame. I it is a shame. I want to record these things for posterity while they're still playable. Or so I, so I should have been doing. They're like 20 years old now. Hopefully they still play. So anyway, uh, one of the tapes, one of my favorite tapes on there is uh, Toronto DJ's SOS and Grimace playing at the Hullabaloo One pre-party in, I don't know, spring of 1997, thereabouts. It's like uh, fun, hardcore techno stuff. Really fun tape. I was there in person as well. And um, I heard from DJ SOS, he emailed me a week and a half ago or so, uh, thanking me for the site and sending me a link to um, a uh, mega mega upload. Me- I think it's just called Mega nowadays. Uh, site with um, an archive of a whole bunch of his old mixtapes and some videos as well. So he had two DJ personas. One was DJ SOS, where he played... Uh, mostly hardcore music, and his other persona was DJ Paladin, which was super cool. He would play kind of like dark, evil trance music, and he made for himself this kind of a costume that made him look like this glowy orange robot that glowed in black lights. It looked so cool. That sounds so stupid. Oh, it was awesome, and it, it was really, really awesome, and he kept kind of augmenting it over the years, so it had blinking lights on it and stuff, and like all these vacuum tube hoses and a cool-looking robot mask. It was very cool. I can't imagine how the hell he DJed off of records in this thing. Couldn't have been very good visibility, but that was super cool. So uh, I'm actually... I was going to say more stuff about uh, him in the rave scene, but uh, fingers crossed I've asked a buddy of mine on Twitter who I have not spoken to via voice yet, but um, used to also frequent Toronto raves, and I'm hoping either... uh, by name or anonymously, I can bring him on the show sometime so that we can both reminisce about those days a little bit. So I will save my story Wonder. for that. Hey, I, I want you to hear about this important time in my life. Maybe. I've heard plenty of it. Yes, I know you have, but there's a lot you haven't heard too. And plus, I'm, I'm super anxious to hear it from another person to hear their perspective as well. Oh, anyway, um, what else? Podcast stats. Podcast stats. What's the name of this thing? I've been using... Um, 
I've been, I don't remember who recommended this to me initially. It might have been Chris or his girlfriend, Jess. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a plugin for uh, WordPress, which is what we use uh, to serve the blog for the po- for the podcast at squarefm.demodulated.com. PowerPress is the name of the add-on by a company called Blueberry, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. Uh, and it makes it really easy to uh, publish a podcast via RSS, iTunes, Google Play, uh, and that's it. And then other, most other services will look at your RSS feed and glean the proper information uh, from that, like the title of the the title of the show and the show notes and the location of the MP3 file and the duration of the MP3 file. So it's really really easy to use, especially like once you set it up, there's a lot of particular stuff you have to do. But after that, you just like paste in the URL to the uh, MP3 file, which you upload wherever you usually upload it. And it puts together the whole RSS feed for you and it submits it to iTunes and soon to Google Play Music, which is going to start supporting podcasts any day now. Um, So they also, if you want to optionally sign up for an account there, they have these statistics that you can view about your podcast. Look at that. I wish that I... uh, had done this a long time ago. I only started doing this around episode 50 or something. What a shame. But wow, look at that. Since episode 50, our podcast has been downloaded five over 500 times. That's pretty damn neat. So I have some statistics that I just wanted to brag about on here. Oh, boy. So we average about 60 to 70 downloads per episode, which makes me feel pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. And 40% of those downloads are with mobile apps. are with the web, and 20% were either other means or anonymous. And interestingly, 35% uh, of our downloads are from Windows PCs. 30% are from Android phones. Woohoo. Woohoo. 11% are from iOS devices. It's probably iPhones. I don't know if people really listen to uh, podcasts on an iPad. And 24% were from other or anonymous. So I guess Mac OS is in there somewhere, or maybe people don't really listen to podcasts on Mac OS. Maybe they do it on iPhones. Or maybe it's, uh, you know, Linux. Could also be Linux. Maybe uh, maybe uh, Robert downloads it 90 times to make us feel good. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. <laughs> um all right. Anyway, that's that's some nerdy stats. It's, it's cool to see stats rolling in about our show every week. Uh, it makes me wish that we did this a long time ago. It is kind of neat. Yeah. So let's see. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, finally, yeah. Oh, there's one thing I wanted to mention about uh, cross-country Canada, ex-country Canada, which uh, Ben mentioned last week. Yeah. I think I forgot to talk about it a little bit. Oh, yeah, because we were talking about, oh, I wish we could uh, have cross-Canada's driving sim like we had like American I mean yes I know we had the DOS one but I mean like a one where you actually drive like, like a modern version is what I was is what I think we meant yeah that's true well I've always daydreamed about a Grand Theft Auto game set in Toronto I think it would be the perfect city for a Grand Theft Auto either Toronto or Vancouver Vancouver would probably be better because it has the mountains mm-hmm. so you could like drive into the mountains for some anonymous crime related Badassery, whatever. Uh, but Toronto, we have the Scarborough Bluffs, Rouge Valley. Uh, we have a bunch of uh, cool places. I mean, Rouge Valley. I mean, 
that's where Robert Otto threw all those bodies and hid them for a good long time before anyone found them. Yeah, that's true. And Scarborough Bluffs are like desert, basically. We have all these different like geographies and biomes and stuff in Toronto. It is a good location for that. But we don't have mountains, and mountains are kind of something special in a video game. Well, they are special. You can just go out of the city, and then you've got uh, some kind of mountain. I mean, you have to drive up a mountain to kind of go in, into to go north of the city. Mountain? Well, not much of one. I mean, we don't really have mountains here. We have big hills. Yeah, we don't have mountains here. Those are all to the west. Oh, they're true, but we can make a mountain out of the moleholes here. <laughs> moleholes? Yeah. <laughs> moleholes. <laughs> <laughs> that was well said. <laughs> so, one thing that I, I don't think I mentioned, maybe I mentioned, I don't know, uh, is... I got to, so I work in a college, and every now and then I am either asked to or I volunteer to train the faculty on new IT tools. And so I wanted to take advantage of my like brief stint as a game designer, very brief, quite in the past, I suppose, um, to train faculty on how to use Twine. Because I thought Twine was an awesome tool for a faculty to didn't use. You already, didn't you already do that last year during uh, the Teaching with Technology conference? I did it. I was going to do it two years ago for Teaching with Technology conference. Uh, I was going to do it with – actually, I did it just after. Did I do it just after? I can't remember whether we did it. Oh, I did do it in the Teaching with Technology conference two last years year. ago. It was two years ago. Last year, I did it on Microsoft OneDrive. Okay. Yeah, two years ago. That's right. So I did that. – that is – thank you for reminding me. That was the venue where I did the uh, – where I taught the – I did it more than once, taught uh, faculty how to use Twine. I don't think anybody ever walked away actually doing it, but we got a good turnout for that stuff anyway. Yeah, at, least it was, at least they got exposed to the knowledge about it, which is it's just valuable because then they – if some, if one of their students comes up and asks how they can do something, they can point them towards it. So even if they don't use it themselves, they can pass that knowledge on, which is – the job of a teacher. So if they don't use something themselves immediately, that knowledge can be used to help someone else in the future by refer by referring them to this tool. Well, that's true. Yeah. If nothing else, I just want them to remember the name of the tool so that they can refer to it later. Mm -hmm. But my context for that training anyway was to use it as a tool to create uh, simulations of whatever subject they were teaching. So if it's an engineering class, for example, it could be a simulation of physics. If you do your calculation this way, then this will happen, or if you choose to do it this other way, then these ramifications will occur mm -hmm. for these consequences. So that was kind of the topic of my uh, talk, was partially about Twine and how to use it, but also about how video games are simulations, and uh, they're an environment where the consequences can be illustrated without having like real-world ramifications. So it encourages you to experiment and to fail, because you can fail safely using mm -hmm. that medium. And it's a good way to teach coding, too, because it's uh, it had that flow logic. Yeah, if you call it that. It's kind of a, I guess you could call it coding. It's more of like a markup language. It's like using a wiki. I know. It's markup language, but it's a good, it's a stepping stone. It's a perfect tool for teaching someone who doesn't know how to do programming, how to put together a functional game. Because mm -hmm. it's like making web pages, but with like wiki kind of tags. Yeah, you have to start somewhere. And, you need, and, some, and I think sometimes the language itself can be scary to people who are familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And so in my talk, I refer to all these other sorts of simulations that our school uses. Like they have a an amazing flight simulator for their flight school. Oh, it's like, I remember you talking about that. Oh, it's so cool. It's like a one and a quarter million dollar flight simulator with project projectors going onto screens and a whole console uh, that looks just like a, a, a commercial aircraft. And there's an, another console behind for the instructor to simulate wind and weather and 
equipment failures and stuff like that, which is very cool. Oh, that is so awesome. And they have these nursing uh, simulation uh, devices, which it looks like a it looks like a, a gigantic Ken doll, like a mannequin sort of. But you can hear them breathing, and they have a little microphone in them so that someone in another booth can talk through them. So, and they have a heartbeat. Oh, that is so awesome. It's amazing. I remember the first time you describing these to me. I was amazed. It is amazing. They're expensive. They're like $80,000 or something. It's expensive, but that's a hell of a good tool for learning. Yeah, it is. It's a good step. Once again, another example of a stepping stone towards, you know, having a real person. Exactly. Yeah. So they have like accelerometers in them so that you can tell whether you've handled someone too roughly or something like that. And they're heavy. They're as heavy as a person, so you have to actually mm-hmm. drag them around or whatever. You know, whatever it is that, that nurses do. Attach them to a chain and put them on the back of the truck and take them to the hospital. I don't know. No, or they'll put them in a net and then drag them behind their horses. They ride back to the quest giver. While <laughs> <laughs> the, the uh, thing bounces and flops around <laughs> in the dust. <laughs> oh, we've been playing too much World of Warcraft. Yeah, we have. <laughs> All right, well, we've meandered enough, I think. Why don't we go ahead and talk about the stuff that we've uh, played this week before we uh, continue with our topic. And uh, maybe do our voicemails. Oh, voicemails. Should we do that? Let's do that before we talk about... Wait, um, I think our voicemails are largely about our topic. So let's do what we played this week first, and okay. then we'll do the voicemails. Well, I'm a walk- fan of The Walking Dead. I don't like Fear the Walking Dead. That wasn't as good. What's that? That was the uh, show that was meant to preface the uh, original series, which was, you know, you drop, you drop right in the middle of the chaos. But in this one, you start before the chaos. Hmm. And so it's not as good because you kind of already know it happens, and it it lacked the same atmosphere that the whole feeling you have, the character, the emotion that came with it. This one felt almost like eh, they were locked in the neighborhood. There was no threat. You only see like one zombie. And not this, and you don't get the same sense of urgency. And there's the army there. No one really. It didn't. It didn't feel like The Walking Dead. So it was before the big chaos happens. Is that it? Yeah, it's supposed to be set before it, but the show was made after, like season five or so of The Walking mm. Dead. And I'm sure it doesn't answer any questions either, right? Oh no, of course not. Of course not. Sounds exhausting to me. It is. Anyways, there is a, a new game out called Walking Dead Michonne. It's a mini-series, once again, by Telltale. And it focuses on Michonne, who is one of the uh, main characters in The Walking Dead and has yet to be killed. <laughs> yeah, she was in the comics and she's in the TV show. Mm-hmm. Really great character. This covers her backstory a bit, so I'm happy about that. Because mm. they don't really touch much on her backstory in the show. You kind of get the feeling, you know, she has her own big secret. Yeah, that's right. She's like a, a strong kind of stoic person with her demons, and she's like not emotionless, but very hard to read and very independent and can get by on her own. Mm-hmm. So without going too much into the story, I'm enjoying it so far. There's a good amount of action balanced with story, and I'm quite satisfied with how her character has been presented. I can't tell if, it's the, if the voice actor is the same as the actor who plays the uh, character in the show, but... I'm satisfied so far that I can't wait to play the next uh, episode. Yeah, I had fun watching you play it, too. We both own Walking Dead Seasons 1 and 2. Actually, no, we're sharing that right oh, now. Oh, are we? I thought you owned it, too. No, I didn't. I never got it. Oh, okay. So I don't if really think If it goes think on sale, I will get it for myself. Sure. It's been on sale many times for like six bucks for the first season. I'm surprised you don't own it. Yeah, I I thought I could get it for cheaper, but next time it goes on sale, I will get it. Yeah, it probably will. Yep, and I'm hoping I get a Steam gift card for my dad, in which case I'm getting Sharp Bite. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, we're getting shard light regardless. Man, that's out in... March 8th. 8th, is it? Yes. Oh, man, that's awesome. That's not this week, but next Tuesday. 
Oh, that's the, we're buying that on day one, no question. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to play Shardlight. Yep, me neither. I enjoyed the uh, Alpha, or what did I play? Alpha or Beta? Yeah, you played Alpha. I don't think we, either of us went back for the Beta. I put, I got pretty far in Alpha. Yeah, you finished the first third or something? Yeah. Gave I some feedback, got, got, and, uh, no, and uh, managed to break something, knowing me. I broke something to the point that I couldn't proceed without having to go backtrack. Mm, that's good. I didn't find anything broken, but I made. Some... I did stuff out of order, so I broke it. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good. That's a that's a great thing about a an adventure game if it lets you do things out of order a little bit, or if it's somewhat open. Yeah. Uh, Francisco and Ben were talking about this topic a little bit a episode or two ago. Hi, guys. Hi. They were talking about Ben's game Piss, which is such a good game. I recommended it to somebody on Twitter recently. It might have been pushing up roses. Pissing. In uh, six sheets. In the wind. <laughs> you should play Piss. That's a great game. It's a. It's got really beautiful dialogue and wonderful characters. It's really good. I felt I, like it was a little bit long, but the first half I especially really loved, and yeah. it had a good ending. I might consider it. It's free. It's fantastic. So, um, why do we bring up Piss? Oh, right, because, because open like- yeah open world game design. So Piss the the opening area at least was very open, and there were some. Uh, there were some puzzles that were kind of optional, and there were some puzzles that you could finish one way or another, and there was sort of a reward that you would get for finishing them in one way or another, but I don't think the reward mattered that much. You got these coins from people, and you needed like 10 coins to proceed, but the you could get as many as 20 coins or something, and I don't think there was any real benefit to getting more than the minimum you needed, but it was just, a, a if nothing else, a means of uh, reminding you how you would solve puzzles. That is good. Yeah, it was great. I really like that game. So, boy, I can't wait till Shardlight. Me neither. That'll be fun. So, what else is on our list? Oh, yeah. You talk about your next one there. Oh, yeah. Orion, a sci-fi visual novel. You made fun of me while I was playing this. Well, at least, not made fun of me, but you uh, mocked my game because the dialogue in English is just so stupid. Yeah, well, some of it was okay. I, what I made fun of more than anything in that was... The voice acting? No, it was the art. You remember oh, the art? Because the sometimes sometimes it shows a picture of the character looking, like, facing the camera directly, not at an angle, but directly at the camera. Yeah. And the way that they draw the lips together, they, like, didn't put a seam between the lips, and so it looks like they're sticking their tongue out right at the camera. So I kept sticking my tongue out and looking at Bianca. I wouldn't say anything. I would just face her and stick my tongue out and wait for her to notice. Uh, and then she would laugh, and then she couldn't really take her own game seriously anymore, and I ruined everything. And I quit because I couldn't take my own game seriously. But I got, I got sorry. So I finally got fed up and started playing it without him being here, as I do with many games, because he just ruins everything. <laughs> I mean, you can't be married and play serious video games when you're married to the to the king of jackasses. Yeah, it's true. You would just crown your majesty. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's true. So did you finish it or did you keep playing it? I'm still, I, I still have a ways to go, but I made progress. Is it any good? It's pretty good. It's science fiction, so it's not bad. Time, and so I've been sent back in time. Mm-hmm. And my companion is a virtual dude named Virgil, who's on <laughs> my portable tablet. <laughs> And I don't know who to trust. And right now, I'm trusting a bunch of I'm trusting two idiots who, before, made fun of me and pushed me around. Mm. Because of course, it's that's the way things go. Your best friends are jackass, and the people who hated you before are now your best friends. Uh huh. So what else on our list? Oh yeah, wasn't it for Francisco who tweeted the picture of this disco zoo? Disco zoo. I think 
I think the whole Disco Zoo thing might go all the way back to Kelsey, who was on our show a while ago with Ben. Oh, yes. Hi, Kelsey. Hi, Kelsey. <laughs> this game is really, really cute. It's so cute. It's I just think... like a time... What is it? It's like a time management uh, idle game clicker sort of a game. Yep. I like it. I've got, I got, my, I got my pig trophy. Um, at least I got a bronze pig trophy for freeing a m- bunch of pigs. You got a pig trophy when you married me. I'm your pig trophy. Yeah, you're my heifer, dear. I'm a heifer. <laughs> so it's cute, and... It's so cute. It's got, like, pixel graphics. It's really adorable when you can get a whole bunch of little, the animals jumping around in a pen together. So I mm-hmm. have... Uh, so, so I almost have a full farm uh, section of mine. I like the cockats- the cockatiels. The like cockatoos. The, yeah. Because they jump instead of instead of flying. They jump up and down. It's real cute. Yeah. I like my unicorns. Mm, I don't have any. I haven't been spending my... Uh, my dingus bucks. Uh, you get them just by finding them. I know that. I can, I always think that I'm gonna need. I'm gonna spend them and then wish that I hadn't spent them later because there's some big thing that I could have bought for lots of dingus bucks. So I tend not to spend dingus bucks, but I should be spending my dingus bucks. I think. Yep. I don't know. You guys, if more than one of you listeners, you listeners, mentioned that you were playing this disco zoo game. If you have any strategies, then please enlighten us. Mm-hmm. Also for the Android, we I found this one and I, then I made Brian. Uh, play it. It's called Get Bigger Mola. It's an extension. It's uh, like the next one, next game in the line of the Mola Mola game that we played, uh, we might have mentioned before. It seems to be from a different studio, actually. I don't know if it's the same people under a different name or what. It seems to be from a different studio, but it's in the same design. Maybe the studio actually... I don't know. The fish, the Mola fish looks like the same. Yeah. But... Maybe. I think you look for Mola, not Mola Mola. Let's look for Mola Mola. I'm just so- sorry, you were just... Oh, baby Mola fish. That does look just like it. Mola Mola? Oh, it is called a Mola Mola. Look at that. Whoa, it's a real fish, and it looks exactly like the way they've been drawing it. It has no butt. It's no ass. <laughs> hey, that goes in theme with our one ass. Look how cool this fish is. Oh, my gosh, that's a cool fish. What huh? a strange creature. All right, Mola Mola. Game, so, you might want to click that. No, I'm looking for the real fish. It's awesome. Yes, it is. So the in the original, the first game we played, you uh, you would just drag your finger over the uh, screen and eat up all the fish and just get bigger and bigger, and then eventually uh, either die or get bigger. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was a very strange game. You. It was like it was another idle game. Where you eat stuff and you get bigger as you eat stuff and it would have these special events, adventures, where you would click on the adventure, you tap the adventure, and initially you had like a 10% chance of success or like a 1% chance of success. So you die and you come back and you keep all of the progress that you've made. And so it's all about dying and coming back a little stronger and you die a zillion times, but you get bigger and bigger and bigger. And that was the game. It was very, very cute and very Japanese. Mm-hmm. So this one is a little more interactive. So you play through by tapping, or which makes your mola jump, and you can eat. You can have it jump and swim down to eat stuff that's its size or smaller. Mola mola. <laughs> yep. So if you have an Android, go play it. It's fun. Oh, so why don't you describe the new one? I just, I have. Sorry, I was make, taking notes in the meantime. Sorry yes. if I... So there's two games. There's the uh, base game where your, where your objective is to eat and just get bigger. And then once you pass the, fir- the first one, then you can uh, go on to play infinite mode, which lets you uh, just play as much as you want, which is a good way for gathering uh, 
shrimp and uh, king jellyfish, which unlock uh, two other character types you can play. In the regular mode, there's also missions, which give you um, mission points and jellyfish, which you use towards either unlock, which you use towards unlocking uh, new molas to play with and um, buddies to accompany your molas to get to give your mola like a small boost of sorts. Hmm. So it's basically uh, it's like a runner, endless runner game. Well, it's not even endless, though. It has an ending, I guess, although it has an endless mode. But it's a runner game Yeah. Um, where you're always moving to the right at a constant speed, and you, it's... Well, actually, your speed varies depending on the mola you pick. Well, yeah, but I mean, in one round, you mm -hmm. cannot vary your speed. All you can do is, like, you tap to... They call it jumping, but you're swimming. So you just, like... It's basically the same controls as Flappy Bird, but you're eating stuff instead of just dodging stuff. You're eating yeah. and dodging. So it's same as also Jetpack Joyride and those yeah. kinds of things. Very similar to Jetpack Joyride, especially because you have these little intermediate quest things where you have to press the jump button 20 times in your game or you have to eat the spinny fish in over the course of several games. Yeah, or you have to get... Or you have to do something... Uh, you, know, you have to jump X amount of times during one game. Mm-hmm. So whereas Jetpack Joyride, you go faster and faster over the course of any one round. In this one, you get bigger and bigger. And so then there's a threshold where you get big enough and then you get to the next size of enemies and stuff. So at first, everything is bigger than you and everything will kill you if you touch it. But then as you eat stuff, you get bigger and bigger, like in Katamari, sort of, until uh, you're big enough that, you, that no obstacles hurt you and you can eat everything. And then you get big enough and then whoop, everything kind of zooms out a little bit and then the biggest stuff that you were eating before is now tiny and it's the same size as you, but now there's even bigger stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and the art style of this game is amazing. It's really cute. It's kind of like that. It's sort of like the, the newfangled, like flat simplified icon kind of style. Everything is really flat with just kind of a very slight gradient to it to give it a bit of 3D. Yeah, and to give it a bit of depth, just to not, or rather shading is what I should say. Yeah. Just so it doesn't look like it, it's uh, just a flat polygon. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a really beautiful game and it's a beautiful app. All and of the UI elements and like the messages that pop up and stuff look very slick and professional. It's a gorgeous application. Yep. I haven't seen an ad pop up once. Well, me neither. But we have ad blockers. We have ad blockers on our things, on our phones. Yeah, let's, but let's see. Click more. Maybe we'll tell you uh, about. Hmm. No mention about ads. Okay. But I haven't seen any ads either. There's stuff that you can buy, but just like in uh, Jetpack Joyride, you don't want to buy stuff because you—that's the progression of the game—is that you unlock things with the currency that you earn slowly. So if you buy a bunch of currency, then why play the game? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's so that's all the fun is actually earning. The fun is earning the money to unlock it. Yeah, so get bigger mola. It's free. Go get it. It's a really, really good uh, sit toilet game. Sitting on a bathroom pooping game. Or sitting in a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, you. <laughs> Not enough of your ditchitude. Yeah, well, Chul started this ditch war. Yeah, but you're continuing it. What's next? Oh, me. Oh, well, we've been playing more World of Warcraft. We forgot to put it on our thing. Yeah. We haven't really done anything new or exciting, but we did play with Anton, who joined us on the podcast as our guest once when we yep. talked about uh, uh, hobbyist game development. Hi, Anton. Hi, Anton. We had a good time playing with him. That was yep. cool. Oh, we got to tow along our little Forsaken in his new armor. <laughs> oh, poor guy. I know. We're at, we're, there we are in heirlooms, and we're dragging along... Uh, 
Oh, <laughs> he's not a noob, but he he hadn't played in quite some time, yeah. so he was still refamiliarizing himself with the game. Yeah, he no, wasn't uh, I, a ball and chain or anything. No, I, I want to. I don't want to call him dumbass, but it makes me think of that <laughs> quest in uh, Hills Brad but Hill at the point, first one you get there, and the first guy you in the first guy who comes up to get a quest from you is a forsaken undead. And it, well, his name is dumbass. You're not actually and calling him to hunter too. <laughs> I know you're not calling him a dumbass. You are you are comparing him to a character, a fictional character in one of the quests who. I get. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. I don't know why you make that comparison. Just because he's kind of the lost little boy. Yeah, he's, okay, he's sure. our lost little. He wasn't forsaken. that bad. He, he really wasn't that bad. He was very good, but he was our little forsaken uh, hunter. Yeah, there you go. So we had fun playing with him. Yep, we brought him through a few dungeons. Yeah, if you guys play World of Warcraft, we'd love to play with you. We have characters of all shapes and sizes. I'm sure we can find someone to play with. Although I don't know if we can play with people on Oceanic. Or Latin yeah, American we servers. Well, we can play. We're, we're, we cross realm. We cross realm with Australia and. Oh, we can. Yeah, that's by awesome. default. I get I get Calistras in my groups now. Where's that? Australia, New Zealand. Oh, that's awesome! I'm glad to hear that. Mm -hmm. I can great. I can team up with. I have a friend of mine who I can team up with who lives in who lives in New Zealand if I want if I want to cross realm. Oh, very cool. And remember, don't you remember? We always get Brazilian uh, players when we when we do uh, looking for dungeons. Yeah, they're on our servers though. They're not on our servers, but they're grouped in the North American servers. Uh, yeah, they're actually separate. We get Brazilian and uh, Spanish servers. All right. Well, that's wow. Mm -hmm. So I finally, I've been I've been uh, putting a dent in Double Fine Adventure uh, documentary, which I never watched. It has twenty episodes, and I've seen eight of them. So far, I'm enjoying it enormously. It's so good. And the people at Double Fine are such likable, hardworking people. It almost makes me feel bad for uh, my feeling of, uh, of Broken Age kind of falling flat. But it's incredible to watch them make this game. True. And uh, Tim Schafer is just like an amazing person. And he's yeah. so genuinely funny. He's a really good-hearted guy. I love watching him. But his team is phenomenal, too. Mm -hmm. What happened with the end of that game exactly? It's, if I, I've been catching glimpses. It seems like they had good ideas, but it almost looked like they were rushing it at the end. It felt very rushed at the end. I don't want to give too much away in case people haven't finished it, but my opinion, and I'm not the only one who has this opinion, was that the last several puzzles leading to the end of the game were frustrating and didn't really contribute much to the story or anything. It felt like busy work. And at the very end, you kind of get this slideshow sort of a thing, which shows you like what happens immediately after the last actions of the game. When I much would have, I would have much preferred seeing these things play out in cutscenes or in interactive parts or something like that, dialogue trees. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's a real. That was a huge shame. So I kind of lost. I felt like all the momentum was lost. Plus, the second half of the game, you retread a lot of familiar ground. You revisit a lot of locations that were introduced in the first half. So True, that's but you're doing it with different characters. But you are, and that adds a lot, actually. That I enjoyed, but it's almost all that you do. You don't really discover a lot of new areas, just some. So mm -hmm. it didn't feel as fresh. It, did, it didn't feel like it was worth waiting for. Maybe I'll play it again after I see the documentary. We'll see. Mm -hmm. But the documentary is just phenomenal. Anatoly, hi, Anatoly, says that they're working on a new uh, release of this documentary, which will add some more commentary and stuff. So I sort of regret starting to watch it, uh, the, the one that I have, instead of knowing that there's this other, better version coming out. But I'm going to keep going, because I'm really loving this documentary. Mm -hmm. 
So now I think that's it for what we played this week and watched. So maybe we'll get to our voicemails and hopefully we actually get to our topic. Hooray! Okay, let's do that. Hooray. Okay, first voicemail. How are we for time? Son of a bitch. How are we almost an hour in already? We talk too much. Okay, first email is, first voicemail is from Amir at Akago. So let's uh, get, hand it over to him. Yeah. Konnichiwa, Squeeze. Kochira wa Amairo to Akago-kun desu. Okay, now that I firmly established myself as the massive weeaboo that I am, let's talk Japanese games. I got quite a list, so I'll try to be brief. Probably one of the earliest I ever played was Thexter, the platformer by Game Arts released over here by Sierra Online. I never was terribly good at it since it is pretty dang hard, but I remember having fun with it, cause hey, who doesn't love a game where you control a robot that can transform into a plane? Plus, if nothing else, it had catchy music, even if it was in bleepy PC speaker form. I also used to play the DOS port of Taito's arcade classic Quicks a lot, the game where you draw boxes across the screen without getting hit by the eponymous erratically moving colored lines. I actually looked up that version a while ago for nostalgia's sake and immediately recognized the wacky title screen art with people in the street running away from the quakes. And actually one of the coolest things about this particular version is the noise it makes whenever you finish drawing a box. Although that's not saying a whole lot since the rest of the game sounds like this. Speaking of Taito arcade ports for DOS, another one I played was Operation Wolf, an on-rails shooter with a Vietnam-esque theme to it. It was pretty fun with its variety of levels and enemies, but as a kid I had a bit too much fun shooting down innocents as well and then getting chewed up by my boss at the end. Though the only way I could actually play it was with a trainer that gave me infinite lives and ammunition because of course it's stupid hard and made to munch all your quarters. Of course, as a kid, I also had my brother's Nintendo Game Boy, which is why I played my first ever Mario game, Super Mario Land, and its sequel. The first game, though obviously dated by today's standards, still holds up fairly well, especially in terms of the awesome music and sheer variety in the stage design and weird enemies. Super Mario Land 2 still remains pretty awesome as well, with the bunny ears power up and some really awesome levels of music, particularly the space maze where you dodge around angry stars, and the final battle with Wario where he uses several of your own power-ups against you. Wario himself got his own game with Wario Land, which is among my favorites on the Game Boy for its sheer replayability with numerous hidden levels and treasures and just being a very solid platformer overall. Then about 10 years ago I first got into visual novels. The very first one I played was one for DOS called Seasons of Sakura, which was a pretty decent high school comedy with a lot of different paths and endings, and to this day I still haven't finished it completely. Some other ones I checked out during this time were titles like Desire, Divi Dead, Three Sister Story and Nocturnal Illusion, which were enjoyable for their stories, if rather heavy on the naughty bits, and another one called True Love, which is notable for actually incorporating some RPG elements where you perform certain activities to boost your stats and make yourself more desirable to certain females. Among my favorites that I've played were two visual novels that never saw release in the West, Tsukihime and Fate Stay Night which are urban fantasy type stories by an author named Kinoku Nasu. The first is about a young man getting involved with vampires, and the other about a deadly contest between magicians. Awesome stories, beautiful graphics and music, lots of replayability, and a bit of naughtiness in between. And finally, there's one visual novel I played kinda out of morbid curiosity because of the bad stuff I'd heard about it. School Days, which follows an incredibly moronic high school love triangle between the male protagonist and his two love interests, which is hilariously melodramatic and overdone, not to mention full of out-of-place fan service. It's especially infamous for its bad endings, where either the protagonist or one of the girls will get murdered or commit suicide in a very over-the-top bloody fashion. 
And last, but certainly not least, any discussion of Japanese games would not be complete without mentioning one of my favorite series of all time, Metal Gear Solid. I played the first two games on PC and thoroughly enjoyed them for their innovative, varied gameplay, creative bosses, awesome story, and supreme wackiness with no regard for the fourth wall or the game's serious tone. The PC versions may have had their issues, but they didn't diminish my enjoyment of the games that much, and Solid Snake and Big Boss have firmly established themselves as some of my favorite video game protagonists of all time. Badass, intelligent, full of issues and self-loathing, but ultimately doing what is necessary to make the world a better place. I eventually picked up a PlayStation 2 and 3 specifically so I could play the other entries in the series, and I'm glad I did. One of the best experiences I've ever had as a gamer was playing Metal Gear Solid 4 on my dad's big screen TV while my parents were out on vacation one time and just completely getting sucked into the story and action. Anyway, I don't want to use up your precious time any more than I already have, so I'll just say Burayan-san, Bianca-sama, keep being sugoi, and remember... We've managed to avoid drowning. Good job. Uh, <laughs> Arigato gozaimasu. Uh, I got the design. I can go sign. <laughs> okay, the cool. last part that Johnny one kind of confused my butt crack. But I the guess rest that's a Metal Gear thing. Uh. Oh, we learned. Ooh, I, I looked something up while we were doing our Japanese homework today. The difference between sugoi and suge. Sugoi is the the formal uh, the formal pronunciation of uh, saying that something is excellent. Sugoi ne, and suge is what you can say. It's like a colloquialized uh, kind of. Cool urban way of saying excellent suge. That's uh, anyway, yeah. Game Center CX. Uh, I already know. I already know. San says uh, suge when something is excellent. Mm -hmm. Usually when he succeeds, which is sometimes rare. Yeah, which is always rare. <laughs> Akago, so great to hear from you. Thank you so much for your voicemail. Mm -hmm. Man, hearing his voice really makes me want to play the talky version of uh, What's in the Safe now, because he's the he's the protagonist narrator, I believe. He has a good voice. I like yes, Akko's voice. Yes, he does. Um, one game that stands out, I guess, a lot. like he mentioned a lot of good games and some that I hadn't heard of, the visual novels in particular. But one game that stands out is one that uh, I mentioned on an episode with Chris about our Desert Island arcade games. If we could only bring 10 arcade games on our electrical desert <laughs> island, which would they be? One of them was, for me, Operation Wolf, which was like a, a Rails uh, shooting game. It, 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 it was a one-player game that had like an Uzi and you would point the Uzi at the screen and uh, shoot a bunch of Oh, what, you put, he's pointing your jerks. Uzo at the screen and splashed everywhere? Your Uzo, yeah. <laughs> you're too Greek. <laughs> <laughs> did, so, he, did he mention any games that uh, strike a chord with you? I know you're a big fan of uh, Super Mario Land too. Yep, that one I'm, I'm not, I was not, yep, I was totally nodding when he mentioned that. I'm like, buddy ears, and dodging the uh, space stuff. I'm going, I could hear the music in my head when he mentioned that. Oh, yeah, the shooter, the, the space shooter stuff in that game is really peculiar. That was the first one. Oh, that was the first one? Yeah, the second one had the bunny ears, and you uh, fly through space trying to dodge evil meteor stars. Of course Because, uh, rabbit. <laughs> rabbit, of course. Yeah. So, who else do we have on uh, for voicemails? We have two... No, we have one... Voicemail from Trolls. Oh, don't we have... What's the other one you have on your desktop? We have two more from Tomer after this one. And That one is in the intro. That's uh, Trolls' is, uh, What the hell are you talking about, du jour? Oh, yeah, the uh, ominous, looming, deep voice and over-dramatized acting. Yeah, that's uh, right. So let's uh, get uh, the uh, 
Let's put the Windy McWindbag on now. <laughs> Sorry, man. We love you. We do love you. Take it away, Windbag. Oh, yeah. Frickin' trolls and his frickin' .3GP files. Okay, I guess we're gonna play this over the speakers with whatever the hell you use to play 3GP files over the speakers. Here we go. Hi, Squares. It's the Space Quest Historian. Um, thanks for uh, talking about my ditch problem. <laughs> So glad you guys found some amusement of that. I am going to continue making a big deal about it because, well, the truth must be told. Um, at any rate, um, you guys had a bit of fun with my little uh, game of uh, four um, games that you should guess based on my uh, little hints, and uh, you missed out two of them, and they've already been guessed on Twitter, but I suppose, you know, for the record, I should just tell you which ones they are. The ones you, that you didn't get was uh, Beneath the Steel Sky, and uh, X-Files of the Game, mm -hmm. which uh, people correctly guessed on Twitter, as I said. Um, and uh, you guys were talking about uh, Japanese games, so I just wanted to throw a little gem in there. A friend of mine who um, uh, doesn't live in Denmark anymore, uh, the military drafted him, and then he decided, fuck it, I'm going abroad, and he's been abroad ever since. This wow. is, what, 10, 15 years ago, something like that. Um, but anyway, he occasionally uh, comes back to Denmark, and we hang out for a bit. And then he fucks right off again. Uh, he used to own a Dreamcast. And uh, he had um, some, let's say, pretty strange games for the Dreamcast. And one of them, which he was incredibly infatuated with, and that I could never understand why, was this Japanese bus simulator. It was... And it wasn't the fun kind of uh, simulator where you, haha, I crashed into something, now I owe so and so many yen because uh, so and so many people died and property damage and all that. Uh, but you guys might actually find it kind of interesting since you guys appear to be playing these uh, truck simulators, which, I don't know, apparently they're fun as well, beats me. Um, this bus simulator was one of the most rigid simulators I've ever seen. You had to drive around Tokyo. They built the entire city of Tokyo for the Dreamcast, and you had wow. to drive around this bus. You had to stop very uh, precariously, almost, uh, or very precisely, near the curb so people could get on it. And you had to slow down um, very gradually, very uh, you know sensitively, so that people wouldn't get jostled when you stopped the bus. And you had to, you know, of course, obey all the uh, speed limits and traffic laws and all this junk. And... Um, it was just mind-numbing. I mean, you couldn't go above the speed limit, of course. People would get mad at you for the simplest things, like if you tried to overtake some jackass in front of you who was, you know, not moving fast enough, they would just, oh, you're, you're not driving politely enough. There was a lot of politeness going around in this game. <coughs> so uh, that was a bit odd. And apparently they also did the same uh, thing with the train simulator. So there was this train simulator and a bus simulator for the Dreamcast. And I was just sitting there watching this game. And normally, I like watching people play games. I like, uh, you know, YouTube Let's Plays. I like, uh, you know, just looking over someone's shoulder while they're playing a game. I'm dead serious. This game was boring as hell. But he found it very interesting. So anyway, um, yeah, have fun. Take care. Keep squaring. And uh, be awesome to everyone. To everyone. That we will. Yep. Thank you, Trolls. Good to hear from you. Yep. This I just found a, a Kotaku article. I just looked up uh, Dreamcast Bus Simulator, which uh, suggested a game called Tokyo Bus Guide. <laughs> I assume that's the one. So Kotaku has an article on it, so I will... Uh, Link it in the show notes. That I will. Hadn't heard of this. That sounds that sounds funny. I don't know if it sounds fun, but it sounds funny. Yeah. The graphics look nice in this little YouTube video. Mm -hmm. And driving on very slowly and meticulously. Yeah. Well, it can't be more boring than... Uh, 
the uh, in Desert Bus. Oh yeah. I have a friend, of, an associate of mine, actually, that that once a year. It's a marathon fundraiser where they all take turns driving the stupid bus. Yeah, that's right. That's a, that's a whole thing they do for charity. It looks pretty damn boring. Yep. Neat. Well, great to hear from you, Trolls. Thank you very much. Yep. Thank you. So now we have two voicemails from uh, Tomer Gabel. Awesome to hear from him again. It's been a little while. We have to have him back on the show again sometime soon yep. as well. All right, let's check out the first one. I don't know which of these two is supposed to come first, so I will try one and we'll... See how she goes. Hi, Brian, Bianca, and Arista East Squares. I uh, finally caught up with uh, you know a recent batch of episodes uh, during my commute, and uh, I was really, really bummed out to hear about your birds. Uh, as a fellow pet owner, I can I can only relate and sympathize, and uh, also mention that it's really, really impressive how you managed to get through it and record uh, record the podcast and sound like you're. You know, you managed to have some fun doing it. I mean, I, I would have probably just been out of commission for a couple of weeks. Um, well, moving on to bigger and uh, hopefully better things, uh, because that's a sucky subject to dwell on. Uh, I'm listening to your uh, current episode, episode 52, I think, and uh, you were talking about uh, games with, you know, spectacular difficulties, and uh, I think Brian mentioned Fallout, uh, especially in the context of the fact that it had a global timer. And uh, Brian, you mentioned it any number of times on the podcast that you really, really hate those. Uh, and I can respect that. But one, one uh, sort of distinctive game that comes to mind with regards to, to global timers is actually Star Control 2. So I've, I've posted, uh, I think I must have mentioned you on Twitter, mentioned the show on Twitter with, with respect to this article, uh, an article about like a retrospective on Star Control 2 um, that not only, uh, not only I fully agree with in, in that it's a wonderful game, but also it made a very good point. Star Control, Control 2 actually has a global timer, but, first of all, it's very, very tightly knit into the story. It makes perfect sense in the context of the story, uh, because there's a war going on between two factions of the of the Urquan kind of master race, and, um, you know, at a certain point in time, uh, their, their war, the war that they're uh, calling the doctrinal war with respect to, you know, how to, how to handle the situation that they find themselves in, you know, it's over. Sooner or later, the war ends, and that's when all hell breaks loose. Now, the, the beautiful thing about Star Control 2 specifically is that it doesn't just lose you the game. Uh, instead, it does something a lot more clever. It, uh, you know, the, the winning faction starts roaming around the galaxy and basically killing everyone in sight. But it's a slow process. It takes time. It's not something that happens overnight. So actually what happens is that, uh, you know, you get to con continue the game and you actually do have enough time to complete the game at that point if, uh, you know, if you try hard enough. And that's a, a really, really crucial thing because you may not necessarily be ready uh, to face the, you know, you haven't advanced the plot enough, you're not actually ready uh, for the end game. Uh, but you can actually keep on playing, and it, it takes a while for kind of the critical resources, the critical uh, characters, if you will, plot points that you need to, to tackle, um, you know, to, to start disappearing off the map. 
And even then, uh, some of these you've already sort of finished with, so it's not game over yet. So I thought that was just a really, really clever and well-executed idea. Uh, and the whole game is generally very clever and well-executed. I highly recommend it. Uh, but I just thought it, it makes an interesting counterexample to uh, you know, global timers basically sucking ass. And this email, uh, this voicemail, I guess, is, is ranting way too long. So have a good one. Looking forward to the next show. Uh, you know, Hope your uh, baby hatchling comes in on time and everything uh, turns out to be wonderful. Have a good day. Cheers. Oh, thanks a lot, Tomer. What a nice voicemail. Great to hear from you, and uh, we appreciate the good wishes. Especially in traffic. <laughs> Especially in traffic. Yeah, those are very hypnotic turn signals. <laughs> I know. I'm, we don't mind. <laughs> I kind of, I'm starting to uh, get uh, hypnotized by the sound of uh, the engine and the uh, turn signal. Yeah, I know. I, I like to kind of picture Tomer uh, having a job as like a uh, Israeli truck simulator <laughs> driver, because when he's on... I think twice now when he's been on Joe Mastriani's UMB uh, okay. Hangouts. Umbo. Mm -hmm. Hi, Joe. Hi. He's, I think he started off both times being in his, his car. So I'm sure it has something to do with the crazy time zone differences between continents and all. Anyway, thank you very much for those comments. Um, I am aware of Star Control 2 having the world timer. And despite what you say about it being integral to the story and not being a drop-dead kind of a thing, but a gradual kind of thing, it still kind of flips that switch in my brain that kind of ticks me off. I did find... I'll see if I can find it, and if so, I'll put it in the show notes. I did find a cheat for the open source remake version, Urquan Masters, that either vastly extends or turns off the world timer. Um, but I'm not good enough at that game to really finish it. The dogfighting for me, I was pretty good at it as a kid, and I was good at knowing what ships are good against what other ships and all that kind of stuff, but that was a game that I very happily dabbled in, but never completed and never dove into all the way. What little I've played of it, I'm sure I've played like 10% of it or something, I love it so much. It is such a smart game. It's so well written. It's so beautiful. There's just so much like vast opportunity to discover stuff and to meet fascinating people. Uh, but I just, I don't know, between the combat and the world timer, I, it just feels like there's too many walls in the way for me to really lose myself in it. Mm -hmm. I'd love to watch a Let's Play of it sometime. The only one I found is like is like 28 hours long or something, so that's a little hurdy. Oh well. Uh, thank you very much for yeah. that. Let's, thank you, man. Uh, yeah, let's uh, play his uh, next voicemail. And uh, listen for any distinct honkings or carp sounds, too. <laughs> yeah, ticking and talking. <laughs> Two voicemails in one episode. Can you believe it? Well, I actually finished listening to your previous episode about Japanese games, and I figured that I might as well chime in with this. Uh, and actually, there's two games I wanted to mention. So the first is, a, I think I probably mentioned both in uh, one of our, you know, one of the episodes that that we've done together, or one of the hangouts at Joe's uh, podcast. But uh, two games I wanted to mention was the first is Res, which is a originally for the Sega Dreamcast, and then it was ported to the PlayStation Two, where it was probably a hell of a lot more, uh, you know, popular. Uh, this is a rail shooter, and it's actually, uh, it was originally called Project K for Kandinsky, because the, the entire game sort of uh, 
derives its, its visual influence from the works of Kandinsky, who had synesthesia. So his, his art style is very kind of psychedelic and all over the place. And so it's this game, actually. And one, one of the nice things about it is that it, it, it deals with feedback. So it's a real shooter, as I explained, but the music is a huge part of it. And all of the sound effects and like action, on-screen action, is uh, very, very synced and, and tied to the music. And also the force feedback in your controller uh, would, uh, you know, would thump along with the game or, you know, when, when things happen in the game to the theme of the music. So I thought that was just a brilliant experiment. It's also a very, very interesting and very, uh, very enjoyable game, at least in my mind. I definitely spent probably a hundred hours on it, if not more, which is crazy for a rail shooter. So that's a very distinctly Japanese game. I mean, there's very little in the way of exposition. They don't bother explaining a lot of the, kind of the plot elements. And there actually is kind of an overarching plot to the game that, that finds its way into many of the visuals and many of the things that you have to do during the game. But none of it is explained. It's kind of more of an experiential kind of thing. You need to, you know, to play the game and, you know, experience it's uh, experience the vibe of the game in order to get it. It's a very Japanese thing, I feel. So that's one example of a, a really, really good game uh, from Japan. There's obviously millions of others. Uh, the other one is uh, a game that I, I think we discussed in the episode that I was on, and that's Binary Domain. That's a, a pretty recent, pretty modern Sega game. I think it's from 2005 or seven or something like that. Uh, it's uh, a squad-based uh, shooter, a little bit similar to Mass Effect and game mechanic, I guess, but it's a lot more of a shooter than it is. It, like, there's very little uh, RPG elements and, and that sort of thing. The game mechanics are actually very, very simple, but it's incredibly well-written, and the whole thing plays, to my mind, like a really epic uh, anime action movie that is also also just happens to be really, really, really good. And it's well-written, the voice acting is fantastic, and it's it's westernized in the sense that it takes place in Japan, the entire production team is, is very obviously Japanese. The whole game reeks of Japanese production values and, and Japanese kind of style of storytelling. But uh, it, it also uh, builds on like Western audiences. So you play the role of a, uh, a foot soldier um, who, who, like a commando, I guess you could say, who gets sent in uh, with another uh, another soldier to meet up with this multinational team uh, that is charged with uh, charged by the UN uh, to deal with a an AI-related situation. That's pretty much all I'm going to say on, on the game's plot because anything else would be spoiling it. It's you know, it's a really, really, really well-made game, and it, it seems a shame that people never heard of it, never played it, because it really plays like this massive Japanese epic of a movie kind of thing. Uh, I hardly recommend it. it. It manages to kind of bridge the gap between Japanese and Western styles of production and gameplay, I think, really, really well. Um, yeah, I mean, you should definitely look it up. It's, it's still selling on Steam. Uh, it's just a really good game, and for some reason, no one has ever heard of it. So these are the two examples that I've had. Um, I wish you a good ditch. I mean, a good day. Uh, have a good one. <laughs> Cheers.
Oh, thank you very much, Summer. Again, great to hear from you twice in yeah. in one week. <laughs> yep, I'm. So, I forgot about Res. Oh yeah, I've mentioned it once or twice on the show. I guess before you were around. Mm -hmm. Um, that was a really cool game. I like. I I pirated that game for Dreamcast, and I loved it so much. That, that you actually bought a copy of it. Yeah, when it came out for... It was only... I don't think it was available in North America on Dreamcast. It might have been Japan only. Maybe I'm wrong. Or Europe only. But um, when I when it came out for PlayStation 2, I loved it so much that I paid the full $60 for it just to see it look a little nicer and on a faster machine. Makes me wish I had... I think it came out for Xbox 360 with an HD version. Um, I've played it, uh, the PlayStation 2 version, on an emulator, and I don't think I was able to get it working in high res. That's a game I'd love to see in high res. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> I am reminded, I just found it now, I'm reminded of a so-called New Games Journalism article. New Games Journalism yeah. being kind of like the gonzo journalism, first person uh, talking about games in the first person about your own experience rather than oh, talking yeah. about the game itself. Um, this article is called Sex in Games, Res Plus Vibrator. Because there is a picture of a of the box here. There was a Res Special Package Edition that came with a peripheral called the Trance Vibrator, which, to increase this uh, sensation of synesthesia that is that uh, Tomer talked about, uh, not only do you have, uh, not only do you have your uh, gamepad which uh, pulses the with the uh, rumble thing to the beat of the music, and not only do you have the visuals, which also correspond to the rhythm of the music, but there's this other peripheral which would plug into the second player port called the Trans Vibrator. And it's not interactive, all it does is throb with the, the beat of the music. And so, I will leave it to your imagination until you read this article yourself, what this uh, female journalist, journalist describes uh, playing uh, Rez with her boyfriend. While she uses this uh, peripheral, um, I will caution that it has it doesn't have nudity or anything, but there are some saucy photographs which are probably best not read at work. Saucy, 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 saucy. Uh, thanks. I I somehow either zoned out or I don't know what I didn't catch which game he was talking about the first one. Sorry, Tomer. I'll have to check that out afterwards. Mm -hmm. All right. How are we doing on time? Um, let's see. An hour and 20. Do you want to continue with our list, or should we continue it next week and kind of give this episode to the listeners? Let's give it to our listeners. They deserve it. Yeah. All right. We love you guys like crazy. It was such a special treat to hear from so many of you this I week. I know. We really appreciate it very much. And two of them included traffic. That's a special one. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> awesome. Okay. We, we love you guys enormously. We thank you so much for your friendship and your support and for your ears. Um, I'll take us out this time, shall I? Yes. <laughs> All right. As always, you know where to find us on the web, squarefm.demodulated.com. Beep. Beep. By email, squarefm at demodulated.com. Beep. Beep, beep. <laughs> and on Twitter, we are at squarewavesfm. Beep. And if you want to, uh, if you want to find us wherever you are, you can just sit on a branch and beep a bunch and we'll chirp back. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, I guess, why don't we leave them with the last little comment that we think we have decided on a final name for our little pineapple conure yep <laughs> do you want to do you want to reveal it i've already put it on twitter but for those of you who uh, are uh, flooded with tweets and probably didn't see it or don't or uh, don't follow me and i don't follow you etc uh we decided to name it joey malone 
Joey for short. Joey Malone. If it's naughty and you have to wag your finger at it. <laughs> Joey Malone. And uh seems that that Dave Gilbert, who uh, runs the Wadget Eye Twitter feed, approves of this as well. Oh, that's good. We'll have to we'll have to uh, go for some serious Twitter suck points by mentioning the name of the photograph of a cute animal, right? <laughs> yep. That's how you win Twitter, I think. Yep. It's All just right. a handful of feathers and fluff. No, oh, it's such a little fluff. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to have that little guy. Two more weeks or so, I think. Yeah, two weeks, and he's ours. Maybe three. Yep. We'll see how his maturity is. Okay. Love you guys like crazy. Thanks so much for tuning in. Yep. And we look forward to more voicemails and letters. Yes, we do. Beep. Bye. Beep. Bye.